ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we talk about the gaming news from the gaming industry and gaming stuff from consoles to PCs to mobile and everything in between. I might not want to know what's in between there. It seems crummy. <laughs> um, a little bit of an underbelly you don't want to look at. Yeah, yeah just... let's not. Let's not. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja and today I'm super happy and excited to welcome back Scott Johnson on the show. How's it going, Scott? I'm good, man. I'm always happy to come on here and talk to you. I think I'm actually going to uh, put this audio up on the boot feed as well so people can get a, uh, a joint taste of what we think of what we're going to talk about today. But it's always fun to get with you and talk about the world of gaming. And and thanks for that little tease there, as if, you know, no one knew what we were going to talk about. <laughs> um, so, of course, the Nintendo Switch was released a couple of days ago, and I'm sure Scott has spent a little bit of time playing with his, and I have spent a little bit of time playing with mine as well. Um, exclusively on Zelda Breath of the Wild. I don't know if you've been playing other games on the console, but... Uh... So I'll talk a little bit later when we get to that part about the other thing that I played and what a happy little surprise this strange little game is that I'll... That oh, I'll I know what it is. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, I, like you said, about if I'm... I had a wedding this weekend, so things were really busy from about the time it got here until really this morning, but I did manage to get about three hours into Zelda... And um, and probably another hour and a half into this other thing, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into yeah. what we think here shortly, I guess. So um, we'll talk about other things as well. I mean, there's Horizon Zero Dawn that is getting huge, super positive reviews. There's news on on Mass Effect on um, a, a sequel to a game I loved a couple of years ago, which we're getting more information for a few days etc etc microsoft announced a bunch of stuff for the xbox um but yeah of course first the nintendo switch which uh i got as i said uh, you know as we discussed on release day i spent uh maybe 10 hours a little bit more on zelda but first let's talk about the device itself um there's been some issues with uh connections being lost to the left um controller and some little bits here and there but beyond that which honestly the connection losing i i got the issue when i was a little bit too far from the console and it's it's quite annoying um but aside from that 
what's your impression on on the hardware and on the concept now that we finally have it in our hands? So, all right. So I was already a, a Nintendo fanboy. <laughs> long time I'm pretty much excited about anything they ever do and, all quality and so, people are Scott all quality that's people true. are and, and I think people look at that sometimes and go oh well I'm sure we're going to get a real you know subjective view from Scott today uh, because he already loves it like I'm going to just automatically love whatever they do but I went into this one a little more skeptical I think the Wii U is generally seen and, and, and including by me uh, despite there being some great games on that console mostly first party stuff uh, ended up being kind of a failed experiment. I don't think it worked well. It certainly didn't sell enough to to justify its existence, and and it and it made me worry about the future of of Nintendo, specifically what their hardware plans would be, especially as we enter or continue to to thrive inside of a very vibrant mobile market that doesn't necessarily include them the way they used to. And um, and funny enough, in some ways, it now includes them with things like that Mario Runner game and stuff like that. But um, a real make-or-break moment for Nintendo, and I came in a little bit nervous about it. Um, loving what I had seen of everything so far, everything that was that's been announced sounds really interesting. Everybody's hands-on were always positive, but I was still sort of reserving, uh, you know, kind of where my head was at until launch day. And very quickly, I have come around to really liking this thing. Um, speaking just from the hardware perspective, I think. That uh, and having not had that experience, by the way, with losing the left uh, Joy-Con connection, I, I've not had that happen to me. Um, and maybe have I'm you not... played on a TV where you were a little bit far away from the console? Or I have, oh, hold on, my headphone just came out. <laughs> Great, <laughs> <laughs> quality podcasting, everybody. Um, yeah, so I, I uh, have it a relatively, I don't know, probably 15 feet away or something. All right, is where that's, that's and I didn't have any. Yeah. Didn't have any trouble with that. I also, a day or two later, went and picked up a Pro Controller. And so since then, when I'm on the TV, I'm using that. Um, and that may, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm mitigating my chances of having a left Joy-Con problem. Or maybe it's just... By uh, not using it. Yeah, that usually <laughs> mitigates the issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used it a whole bunch the first, the first day. But um, the, my impressions are that this is really well made. Like it's a nice hefty piece of solid state feeling kind of hardware that doesn't feel cheap and toy like to me. Um, that was something I was worried about. And well, Nintendo- the, the Wii U controller felt very janky. It felt plasticky. And uh, yeah, that was definitely not a piece of hardware that you thought, well, this is going to last me 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they've ever, I mean, most of their hardware has always been kind of plastic and, you know, more kid ready and friendly and all that sort of stuff. And so, so I didn't exactly expect Fisher Price, but I expected something a little bit in between. And uh, I really like it. It feels solid and tight and clean and, and um, I don't know any other way to put it. It's just really nice hardware design and the ease of which or the ease that it is to pull the Joy-Cons out, to use them as individual controllers, to put them back in, to slide this thing into its dock and out of it again and have it just sort of pick up right where I was. All of those promises that they made about that stuff is there and works 100% jank-free for me. Um, There is something pretty special about playing this on the go away from any other hardware and then walking up to a, a thing, plugging it in, and bam, I'm right back at it. Um. That's really that really worked well. I think works really well. Um, I only have one complaint, and I'm surprised that there's just one. Because well, two. I have two complaints. Well, okay, I have three. All right. <laughs> complaint number one: 
Uh, I wish the battery life was longer. There may not be a great way well, to handle yeah, that, of course, yeah. given what it does. That's one thing I, I, I wish. And it's impossible uh, to charge, too. Like, have you seen if you plug it into a MacBook Pro, you know, the new ones with USB-C, if the console is turned on, then the console actually charges the MacBook? Yeah, like, the, pulls the other way. It's so yeah. weird. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see some, uh, you know, Switch-compatible battery packs come out, and they're going to cost the price of the console itself but uh, sure sure i mean i did i spent some time with it plugged into just an outlet and then right into the handheld and and that yeah. was okay um i don't like where the connector kind of sticks down because then you can't really rest it without it feeling like you're going to short it out or something but um but you know for for the you know for a two and a half hour play time or whatever that i did last night it was great i, I didn't run out of battery and it worked fine but i kept thinking well if i'm ever on like a four and a half hour flight this is going to kind of suck i need some extra Juice, some extra yeah. juice this thing. Um, so that's one downside. Uh, again, it may be one that's just uh, impossible to get around given the form factor and everything else. But um, the other thing I, I wish was there was more of that Nintendo menu charm, like Miiverse and weird doodle apps that let you doodle to other people on other consoles and like this, just those strange goofball things that they include normally on 3DSs and, and Wiis and things as part of the menu. I know that stuff's coming, and I know that their entire online sort of uh, what you're going to pay for per month thing is coming. That's all coming, and I know that. But I, I miss it at launch because it's just really bare bones. It's like, here's the game, play it, right? Like there's just not a lot yeah. of other goofball stuff in there. So it's missing some of that Disneyland Nintendo-y stuff at the beginning, it's a small thing and not that big a deal. Third thing is just the lack of overall releases at launch. Um, that being said, I could not be more impressed with Breath of the Wild and Snipper Clips is blowing our minds. Yeah, I think, you know, overall, I'm pretty uh, uh, in tune with your feelings i think <laughs> i'm in tune with your feelings scott um, oh, good. <laughs> no i think i think the the concept is uh achieved successfully which wasn't a given um the hardware is solid it feels good in your hands it's a little bit bigger than what you would like for a truly portable system but you know the the Joy Cons once they're uh, docked into the device, they feel like they're part of it. So that's if you know the the the. It's not a tiny little thing that you're gonna be breaking first chance you get in your um, backpack, right? If you, if it bumps into something, it's not gonna just chip and break. Um, it's also surprisingly. Uh, surprisingly high quality i think for a device that is 300 bucks i think it's uh and i've been the first person to say this i, I think it it 300 bucks was the maximum they should go and mm -hmm. in europe it did end up going down at least in france it ended up going down to 300 euros which was my limit price so i was happy that it did after the announcement it was a little bit more expensive um and and given the quality of the thing and the quality of the screen, really good quality screen, uh, and the the as we discussed the fact that it's it feels so hefty, I'm kind of willing to say well three hundred bucks seems like a reasonable amount. Um, if it had been let's say uh, a little bit cheaper, like two fifty, but had felt more toy toy like like the previous consoles, like it feels better than a DS, for example. Um, it oh, feels yeah. less 
toy than a DS. So that's a good yeah. surprise. Uh, and as I said, the concept really works. I mean, when you're, you only have three hours with it when you're playing Zelda or 3D intensive game. Um, but those three hours are fully great, enjoyable, um, moments of genuine, gamers gameplay right you're gonna get some actual games on this console as opposed to everything we're seeing in the mobile space um and for for you know some people are gonna say well i have a phone and it does this and it has a better screen it has you know even maybe better battery although playing 3d games it's not certain but again the price is a factor there you know we're not paying a thousand bucks or even 500 for mid-range high-end um Android or even uh, Apple phone, we're paying 300 bucks for it. So given all of that, uh, I think it's a pretty satisfactory uh, result on the hard, purely hardware, si hardware side. Uh, I've been using it off the dock for 95% of the time, um, mm -hmm. either with the uh, Joy-Cons on the main device or with the Joy-Con grip. Uh, lying down on the bed and both work really well. Um, mm -hmm. The one thing I will say, though, hardware-wise, is the kickstand, I had heard it was flimsy, but boy, is it flimsy. <laughs> Like it will, it will maybe stand if you put it up on a on a table. Well, okay, I'm. That's not true. It will stand if you're putting it up on a table. But if the table is is the tiniest bit not straight, like not horizontal, it will not work. Uh, if you're trying to put it on a bed, like even if the bed is flat, then it will not. You know, it will just sink in unless your bed is like made of iron. Um, so that's a little bit of tiny bit annoying, but it's like nitpicky stuff. Um, yeah. overall, the hardware I think is, is really good. Portable. It works, uh, on the TV. I'm honestly a little bit surprised at the quality. Um, you know, for some reason I kind of didn't expect HD. I don't know. You know, it's so low qual low power, that I was when I was playing it for a long time on the small screen, I, I got used to that. And when I, it got blown up to the big screen, I was like, "Oh, that looks actually pretty good." Um, no, it looks. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Surprised at how great it looks on a television and how easily it transfers up, and it just doesn't feel like I'm 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 not losing anything. Yeah, at least that's how it feels. And maybe I am, and maybe it's uh, impossible to see. But we're not talking like in Zelda's case. We're not talking about a game that's plain or or, or overly simplified or anything like that. It's a gorgeous, fully realized, beautiful game using a lot of the effects and things that we expect from modern games. Mm. And I. Not once have I gone, well, this is a little janky compared to how it might look on my PlayStation. Not thinking about that at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm utterly blown away by how how good this game looks. I mean, it's obviously the very best first-party effort they could ever do for a launch title. It's considered by many already to be perhaps the best Zelda game <laughs> ever made. So, I mean, it's, you know, we're talking about a very special case here, but I am mm. I am reasonably blown away by how good everything looks. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the other games that are available or are going to be available in a second. Uh, just before that, you mentioned uh, performance for Zelda. It does run a little bit slower on 900p, which is the uh, upscaled version you get when you're on the TV. Uh, a little bit slower, meaning there are some FPS drops. And uh, the other thing to note is that on the Wii U, 
it is basically the same game, again, with the caveat of FPS drops. But it looks exactly the same, like 99.9% similar. Um, we've seen some video comparisons that show it pretty clearly, um, which probably means that the Switch can still do more you know better looking stuff relatively is easily given the um the fact that the power the gpu and cpu power of the switch is about i from what i've read uh three times the power of the the wii u and um yes zelda does slow down a little bit but my guess is that it was um you know ported from the wii u version and it it's not really super a hundred percent native so i'm hoping it doesn't uh consume the entirety of the power of the switch and we're going to see some better stuff but um so we'll get back to zelda in a second uh, but there was another yet another uh nintendo direct a few days before the launch of the console with a series of announcements of uh indie titles that are going to be coming to the to the to the switch um some of them with some timed exclusivity some timed exclusivity on uh, consoles compared to pc like stardew valley is going to get um what is it is it st- no i i was going to say the multiplayer it's not stardew yes it is stardew valley uh, it's yeah, going to get yeah. multiplayer first uh, for consoles on the Switch. There's a bunch of stuff. I mean, SteamWorld Dig, Ukulele, um, Overcooked, um, Thumper, a uh, bunch, bunch of stuff. And the the, the question that arises is we're, we know we're going to get some uh, Nintendo titles all the way through uh, the end of the year every f- few months. So first party is kind of... Uh, settled yeah it's locked that, pretty much right and so third party we're not going to get many if any triple uh, a first party titles what do you th- do you think that the indies which are being courted pretty heavily by nintendo now and are, are apparently responding to the call do you think that's going to be enough to hold us over between nintendo titles does it make uh, the software lineup of the switch uh decent good you know what what does that do for the console in your eyes well for me it's huge um now i'm gonna admit freely i don't i I don't know that i represent everybody but i'm a giant fan of just lots and lots of indie games and i love steam as a as a platform and an environment for that so every day i'm checking steam to see what weird freaking small team game comes out because some of my favorite gaming moments are tiny teams making really innovative, interesting games where gameplay is the focus and not some huge budget. And so I'm all up in that stuff. The second thing I downloaded immediately when I got this thing was Shovel Knight because I freaking love that game. And Shovel Knight is this old throwback 8-bit looking, you know, 2D modern classic, great platform platform that's really hard um, that I can get on any other platform. In fact, I own it on two other platforms, but... It was one of the first things I did. I wanted to see how an indie game like that felt here. And it feels great, um, much as it did on the 3DS. And you know, this game's been around for a little while. But the idea that this would become a platform of maybe even of choice for a lot of indie developers who are making games like Axiom Verge and you know countless others uh, is very exciting to me. So the answer is easily yes from me. 
Um, I'm sure we're going to see if this thing does as well as I predict it will. I think the word of mouth on this has already been better than the Wii U had for its entire run. Oh, yeah. Although that's not a you know very high bar. It's to, not a guarantee. To pass, but, yeah. no, it's not a guarantee of anything, but it does help. I know that four or five people that saw it this weekend when I had it out were like, oh, my gosh, I have to get one. And, I really? mean, they're all freaking out about it. Oh, yeah. Like people who haven't bought a Nintendo console since like the GameCube are like, whoa, this is Nintendo. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How much? 300. Really? That's it. I'm going to, I got to get one. I'm like, well, you'll have a hard time for the next few days, but keep your eye out. And <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So, so I'm, you know, it's all anecdotal, but I, I feel like there's a bit of a resurgence toward it. So if things go well, we'll see plenty of third party support. Maybe not in, you know, maybe uh, not year one. And uh, I mean, sure. apart from maybe a couple of games, but, um, it's all about how popular your platform is, and therefore, can I sell a bunch of things on it? That's really it. And I think that, uh, you know, what I'm seeing in Zelda, I think, says a lot about what technically is capable of happening with physics and effects and draw distance and all those things are really strong here. So I, don't, I think there are a lot of games that would translate just fine to this device um, that, that are already or planned to be on the other two mainstream consoles. So, so that, I think, is going to happen. However... If they're serious about what I'm seeing about this indie, or as they're calling them nindies, that makes me kind of want to kill myself a little bit. Yeah, I, I purposely avoided that word, which is terrible, yeah. but yeah. It's annoying. It's annoying as hell to hear it. But um, that initiative, if it's really the commitment that we're, that, that we're going to see out of Nintendo to support, and we see independent developers jumping on this, it could be my indie device du jour, like the one I want the most, and I will go crazy and buy everything in between the big first party titles. And then it suddenly becomes the perfect second household console for me. So you know, I, I, I very, I'm very bullish on that. I like that idea a lot. A lot of people are, are referencing the Vita when talking about all of this trend with the Nindies. Just to say it. Um, it's, it's, it's very true. You know, the Vita didn't get the third party, you know, triple a support that it, needed and so it kind of became the default indie portable console to go for people who liked that kind of thing and many people did but then sony sort of you know lost its heart with the vita and stopped really supporting it so it's kind of rotting away in people's drawers now including mine but in the case of the switch that's really where you know i was saying the concept works earlier if the indie game you're eyeballing is uh, you're looking at is you know available on Steam and on the Switch or any other console, the you know PS4 or whatever, um, why would you not buy it on the Switch? Kind of becomes the question because yes, you're gonna get it on TV or on the computer or whatever, but then on the Switch you have it on TV and on the go. It's yep. it's the strength of that, and that's true for any game. But I don't think we're going to see the big AAA um, games from you know Sony and Microsoft coming. I mean, not first party, obviously, but the big ones because I don't think technically it's possible to adapt it to a console like the Switch. It's just not powerful enough to run something like you know an Assassin's Creed or something like that. Um, right? Maybe, maybe I'm you wrong. Could, you, you could probably get away with a. Uh, this is a really good question because you know, but, this is always the thing with Nintendo consoles, right? It's like, well, it'll look okay, but it won't be, it'll all be pared down. I, I would, and then part of me is like, well, I wouldn't mind a standalone Assassin's Creed experience that was made exclusively 
for it no, like they do. I think they, they, they would need they would need to they would need to get the game that they're developing for that year for you know every console and create like crappy textures and you know that kind of thing that would be able to run on the Wii. Maybe it's possible. It would require a lot of additional work to pare down the geometry, make it less polygon intensive, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I mean, I don't know. Anyway, the point is um, for any game that's available on all platforms unless you want it specifically for that one platform because you want it to look the best it can, and in the case of of indies, that's not really a factor, then why not get it for the Switch? Um, mm-hmm. So that's a, an interesting little side note, which seems obvious to everyone, but now that we've seen that it works uh, and that it works as advertised, the question is much more uh, salient. But, but, there's also a weird there's a weird opportunity here that I wanted to make sure not to forget to mention, and that mm-hmm. is uh, clips. if it's taught me anything, is that taking those two Joy-Cons off, turning them uh, around and using them as Joypads for two people in the room is kind of genius in right. the ways that can be used. And, and Snipperclips is the perfect example of a co-op experience. It's not even a competitive experience, um, but a co-op experience that uses those things to perfect the perfect degree. Like it's just a perfect idea for those Joy Cons. And I have, like, when I saw the commercials, I thought, "There's no way I'm I'm propping it up on the kickstand, pulling those two controllers off, and me and a buddy are going to uh, do screen to screen Mario Kart." But guess what I'm going to do next month? I'm going to do that like crazy because it worked. It totally worked. Did you play it at the wedding or did you not have your Switch at the wedding? I didn't take it to the wedding because oh. that would have. I feel like that would have been weird. You know what's great, though, is the groom, my nephew, he totally bought one and had one waiting at home for him. So he was like, <laughs> even on the week he's getting married, he's still thinking about playing a Switch. But, but, but it was just such an easy, quick, fun, ridiculous thing to do. And then when we were done, we were done. You just lock them back in place and you walk away. There's no cables everywhere. There's no weirdness. They're charging with the unit. It's there's the 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 cohesion between this six I believe successful hardware attempt and the way the games are treating them. And I'm only talking about the first couple of games here that I played is really smart and really clean and easy. And that is that gives me all the hope in the freaking world, dude. Well, the future. I'm not trying to yeah. be too. I don't want to be too cli- uh, head in the sky excited, but I have not been this excited about game hardware, console hardware, especially Nintendo hardware, and potential in a very, very, very long time. I think there's a little bit of a honeymoon period uh, happening here, uh, but it, it, you know, as we said a few times, the concept works, and that already is a big thing. You know, my reaction when we first heard about it was. Well, you're going to see people taking it, you know, out to to their friends and taking the Joy-Cons out and playing together. And that's going to be the factor that makes people want one. You know, it's the virality of it, which right. I think could work. And it seems like that is kind of happening. So all of my, well, maybe not all of, but a lot of my uh, sort of iffiness, uh, uncertainty about the console have kind of been addressed and sort of fading away. For now, the big question mark is, you know, what's going to happen after Zelda? You know, a month from now, yes, we're going to get Mario Kart, but many of us already had it on the Wii U, or maybe I shouldn't say many of us, some of us already had it on the Wii U. Uh, But even there, it's kind of indies in between, and maybe that's going to be enough for many people. 
Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I, we sort of danced around Zelda for like almost half an hour. Let's stop <laughs> doing that because, oh my God, has it been superbly reviewed. You know, it's kind of one of the best reviewed games in the history of forever. And it's kind of, you know, when you look at this and then jump into the game, it's always kind of a difficult thing because you're like, do I get my hopes up and then get disappointed? And But Nintendo needed a super strong system seller. And definitely it seems like Zelda is beyond a system seller. It's something that people who want to, uh, you know, People are going to think in over the next few months, well, you know, it has Mario Kart, which is always great. It has this, that, and Zelda, which I have to play at some point. So it mm-hmm. could help them significantly. But beyond, you know, people we don't know who reviewed the game and said it was good, I want to hear what you have to say. So you only played for a few hours, right? Only three hours. I played <laughs> 10 hours, but... It's probably closer to, yeah, if I'm being honest, as late as I was last night, it was probably closer to four and a half or something. The reason it feels like maybe it's less is, first of all, I'm, I, I this is what happens with me if, with, with open world games of any kind. And they've gone a very, a very open world kind of format with this game in a way that they've never done before. And as a result, uh, which I love, by the way, I think it's an amazing direction for the game. Um, as a result, I get distracted by every little nook and cranny. It's, sky, it's the Skyrim problem. Like, I could mainline Skyrim and do it in 50 hours, as big as that game is, which is also coming to the Switch. I may have to get it there, too. But anyway, um, but what ends up happening is I see a hole in the ground. I go, what's this? Ooh, it's a dungeon? What? I can go in here? Oh, my gosh. What am I doing in here? There's things to do in here. And then I go, oh, well, wait, what about my main quest? I'm supposed to go talk to a mage. Okay, great. Get back on the road. Let's go. Ooh, what's that shiny thing? I do this in all of these games and i think that's part of the fun of them at least it is for me i'm sure others oh, can okay agree. so so uh, however many hours these are first impressions both for you and me you know it's not a full review but what are those first impressions for you okay first impressions um the game direction as a whole which is the kind of the feeling of it the tone the music the um the ethereal sort of dreamlike quality of it. And also the, the, the world is huge and lush, but it's also clear that you're in a future where things have gone real sour. And I love all of that, that whole vibe. It's no, anyone listening to any of our podcasts together or or apart. No, I love Mad Max Fury Road, like no other movie in the last 10 years. (laughs) And part of it is I love the idea of a lone hero in a wasted land trying to make sense of it. There's something about that hero's journey that always works for me. And this has that feeling in it for me. Um, Metroid games are like this as well. The, the sort of lone hero in the universe trying to do, to do whatever he has to do to save it is, is my thing. So that already worked for me, but there's like, there's a weird like tinkly piano quality to the music and strange moments when you put your little pad in the console thing and it gives you a new power and it harkens back to some of the music or sounds uh, of old Zelda titles, but in new ways, it's like a little bit of Tron in there. Um, the aesthetic is very, I won't call it steampunk, but there's some future. There's some, future, a little bit of that. Yeah. Maybe final fantasy stuff kind of, but it's, it's got a, uh, the overall impression for me is, 
it doesn't need a bunch of voiceover. It has some, but it doesn't need a bunch. Like most Zelda games, they don't. But it's like these moments of quiet reflection. And when you're getting the stuff out of the shrines and you're getting those new abilities, those that weird sound when the prophet words are coming out and it's just going, oh, like that stuff <laughs> adds up for me to be the aesthetic. I really didn't know I wanted and I totally want it. So what I was worried about is, this, OK, well, here we go. It'll be like Wind Waker. It'll be kind of goofy and fun and ah, a lot, you know, that kind of stuff. That was my link impression, by the way. <laughs> but it ends. It ended up being much more of a serious tone. Um, there is a, the, a heavy quality to it, for sure. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. And when when you're, I don't want to spoil anything, but but there's an old man you meet at the beginning, and you talk to him a little bit, and he's kind of helping to do stuff. And he doesn't have any spoken dialogue. Instead, what he has is just a lot of mm, <laughs> like these weird grunts when you're talking to him. And I find that delightful on the one hand, but also a very Nintendo thing to do. And it's not because we don't live in a world where the technology won't allow us to have big production and tons of voiceover work and acting for three hours. We can have all that today. But they make this design decision that just is so simple and clean and just puts you in a place. And I don't need to have a perfectly synced mouth telling me things. What I would rather have is what they gave me. And I don't know how they know this. I don't know how they know that gameplay, when you're, do, when you're going too far and adding too much, I call it the, um, what's the, that game that will never be finished, I swear, the one that was big Kickstarter successful outer space thing. Um, oh, Star Citizen. Star Citizen. I don't, when people go Star Citizen, I worry because they're trying too hard to be too real for too long. And you end up getting something that can't live up to that possibility. Nintendo says we can make an incredible adventure, but we don't have to have mo-capped actors with 60 lines of dialogue every five minutes to tell the story and do it in an effective way that's still emotionally rousing. And they do that like nobody's business. Nobody does it like they do it. So I love that about the game. Um, Only other thing I'd say about first impressions is I went in thinking that I was going to have to settle for less aesthetically from a console that was just less powerful than their competition. I've done it before with the Wii. I did it with the Wii U. They were always just a step behind what the other guys were doing. And I just thought, well, this is my stylistic console. This is the console where it looks good enough and gameplay matters most. And I was prepared to have that same attitude. And I do not have that attitude. I think this thing is plenty capable and is rather quite rather beautiful. Um, and, mm-hmm. it, and it makes me excited about what people can do. Now, am I looking for photorealistic whatever on the next game they put out? No, I'm not. But I am looking for ar- real artists doing real artistry on a console. And that thing is more than capable. And that has me stoked about the future of that thing. So, so yeah, Zelda's blowing my mind. It's probably my game of the year so far. And I'm playing the hell out of um, sort of in tandem playing... Uh, the Sony game. I just thought I forgot his name. Oh, Horizon. Or Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. And that is that is an awesome game. Zero question about that. But I think Zelda's kind of edging it out right now. And it's close. It's a yeah. I mean it's an embarrassment of riches. Things couldn't be better for gamers right now. It's crazy. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, because I was looking forward to getting it, but I couldn't for various reasons. And uh there's a lot sure. of comparisons with, with Zelda, but I think 
it's funny you 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 were talking about art a lot for the game and i think that's absolutely warranted um but what struck me the most wasn't really the art aspect it, it, i love it but what struck me the most is the incredibly delicate and deliberate game design Uh, mm-hmm. For the game, I mean, I'm I guarantee you that every single game designer in the world right now is playing Zelda: Breath of the Wild and taking notes, um, mm-hmm. especially for open world, because as you said, it is a completely a hundred percent open world version of Zelda. This is Nintendo's version of Skyrim, basically, or you know, Assassin's Creed, or all of those. Yeah, but and I'd actually say Horizon Zero Dawn is a good comparison. They're, they're, they mm-hmm. have a lot in, more than I expected. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're you're crafting recipes and you're cutting down trees and your yeah. um, weapons are wearing out and there's a lot of those tropes. Some of which, by the way, I don't like in other games. And that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, they managed to make all of them feel meaningful. Feel well, maybe I don't love the you know weapons break part. I'm not. I could do without that, or maybe at least, you know, that they would hold for a little bit longer because here every weapon breaks after like two fights. That's kind of annoying. But, good, yeah. <laughs> but everything that feels like busy work in open world games in this one don't for some reason, you know, it's not like, oh, well, there's this and that that I have to do that it doesn't. The game doesn't tell you now you have to do this and now you have to do that you are dropped into the world and you're looking around and going like, Oh, well, what's this? Maybe I should go and look into that. Or, you know, maybe I should go and try to do this. And to your surprise, it works. And mm-hmm. it, it means something gameplay wise when you go, you know, do, I don't know, chop a tree with an ax. It, it's useful for something. Um, when you, you see those little critters on the ground, you think, well, this is just decoration. But no, if you manage to catch one, it does something. When you go explore, you know, forget about your quest or whatever. You go around and you're, you, you ride in the, the scenery and you see a thing that looks off or that looks strange. You go and explore it and there's something there for you to find. And... Mm-hmm. I understand that many people will think, well, that's just like this game or that game. Many games do this, but not quite like this, you know, not to the extent that it feels like a cohesive world where it's basically it, it, it's really immersing you in adventure. It's pure adventure. You're mm-hmm. dropped in that world and you go do stuff, you know, and they manage the, the magical thing about it is that they're not force building a playground for you. Mm-hmm. It's that's why I'm saying the game design is so delicate and deliberate. It's because they're at no point. Well, I mean, if you're actively looking for it, you see the, you know, questy bits and the gathery bits and the. You see how it relates to uh, game design that has been built over decades for games in general, if you're really looking for it. But overall, it's not like pieces of Lego put together to build the world of, of Breath of the Wild. It feels like the world is there and you're going to do stuff in it 
And it just happens to be the game mechanics and the gameplay elements that are interwoven into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but you never feel like, oh, now I have this list of quests that I have to do, or like I have all of these things that I have to do. You just like getting a horse or, you know, going to get the different trials in the shrines or going to check out that camp that is there and with monsters and that you might get something out of their chest or climbing up that tree that looks a little bit weird or up that cliff or, you know, cooking. Even cooking feels doesn't feel like something you have to do to for your, you know, for your gameplay to work. Um, right. It in that sense, in the naturalness of it, it's an incredible achievement. And so I'm only about, I don't know, 10, 12 hours into it. Mm. And the world is huge, enormous. Have you gotten out of that uh, initial zone yet? Or, or yeah, the, pl- the plateau. I'm, yeah. I'm so, so, <laughs> so uh, based on what I was telling you earlier about how distracted I get, I am still on my way to the first to the, village right. where I've been told to go by grandpa there. Yeah. Okay. And so, and, and I'm not there yet. Why? Because I keep getting distracted. There's <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Apps. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. But, you know, it's that plateau is kind of hefty in itself. Like, there's a lot to do there. It's yeah. such a tiny portion. Like, the, the world feels bigger than Skyrim. I mean, it's it's difficult to overstate how big it is. And so far, all of it is... I'm gushing, I realize this, but, and it might not be my game of the year, I don't know, we have an incredible year, but what I admire in it is that so far, as I was saying, the the design of the game is like no other open world game I've ever played. It's... um, That's fair to say, I think. Yeah, the, the title is very apt, you know? Breath of the Wild, you're like, you're it it describes what the world feels like to me. It's not like collect 15 different bits to get an extra something for your character of the wild. It's like you're just in it and you're <laughs> and you're playing it. Yeah, um yeah. and you're living in it and and going to explore stuff and so this is not a very technical <laughs> preview/review/first-impressions slash slash but yeah, it's pretty spectacular so far and i wasn't sold on the on the thing initially i was very very skeptical so now i'm just looking forward to having a little bit of time and going to just be the adventurer in that world for a little bit longer yeah for and for me i i mean i I hope it's a lot longer like i'm every time i discover something like i wonder if i can pick that rock up Oh, I can. Oh, there's a like a leaf dude in here. Right. Oh, you're, they're all over the place. Like I'm having, I've, it's not that I haven't had these kinds of experiences with other games, but they've somehow married the, the precision and the methodicalness of like, here's your bomb and here's how you use it. And, and remember that thing you couldn't blow up in the first half of the game? Well, now you can go back there and blow that up. All those things that Zelda's always been able to, to do, even from the first NES iterations of the game, they're all here. They're just more freeform, and they're in a world where I get to choose when I want to do them in a way that's very unusual. For example, 
in a previous Zelda title, let's say like, I don't know, Wind Waker or maybe uh, Ocarina of Time is a better example. You don't get the the boomerang right away. You got to go do a bunch of shite before you get to where you can get a boomerang. You don't get the bow right away. You have to go get the shield a certain way. Like all of these things come in this like predetermined set way. And it was always brilliant and handcrafted and wonderful. But this is like, forget all that. This you just this dude you just killed, he dropped a better sword than you're holding. So use that for a while. Um, if that breaks, don't worry. There's plenty of trees. Like you can go get a tree and get a branch <laughs> they had to in a pinch. Like it's just a different approach with the same underlying magical Zelda business going on. And how they've married the two and made it not seem discordant is the real achievement here. I think it hides the game better than any other Zelda game or honestly any other game I've ever seen before. It mm-hmm. hides the game within its systems so well that you get lost into it. Yeah. So yeah. And the fact that you're there's actually a valid stealth mechanic to a Zelda game everybody. Like you can <laughs> you can crouch and take on a camp in a way I don't even know what this reminds me of. Maybe it reminds me of Far Cry. Far or Cry a little bit, yeah. Yeah, like just these different ways you can go in. But it's so innovative. Now that I've got, let's see, how many of the runes do I have? I have a total of... Oh, you have the first four or five. Four or five. I have five. So I've got uh, the the bomb up through the the freezing thing. And they... Now you... Just like in old Zeldas of old, you're like, oh, that river I couldn't get across. I can now because I've got the ice deal. So that's always happening in your head, just like it used to in Zelda games. But this time it's like, well, I can just run there and that's a mountain peak I can see and I can fast travel to that tower and be there in two minutes. Like it's just such a uh, a breaking open and a spreading out of what Zelda always was. And it's really what I always wanted it to be and didn't know it. Like this is exactly yeah. what I wanted. It's, I mean, the, you referenced Far Cry uh, earlier and I think that's a good example. Like in Far Cry, you're you're taught go into that camp and look at the different things and think about how you can approach it and like you can go here and do it through there and and in Zelda there is basically all of this but you're never told that it's there you just go around and look at things and and figure it out by yourself and mm-hmm. attacking those camps you can just rush in if you want and you can do it other ways but the entire, well, not the entire Far Cry mechanic is included here, but that part of it is sort of translated. Um, there's also a very solid fighting system in the game. And yeah, it's not really, I mean, it's explained at some point in the uh, afterwards, but it's it's a really solid element of that game. I mean, everything, it it again, it hides its complexity and and yet the complexity is there and the complexity isn't really about the game being complicated it's about offering possibilities to the player um it's it so far i'll reserve final judgment until i have you know completed the game but everyone is saying it's fantastic throughout but so far even from what i've seen for like 10 hours it's an amazing achievement amazing so yeah and I, and I, you know, you and I happen to know some developers, people who work in other parts of the gaming business, and I've been following a lot of them over the last few days, and it's all they're talking about. Yeah. Like, I think that says something. It says something beyond just, oh, they grew up with Nintendo, therefore they're kind of skewed toward this stuff. This says, 
this says a lot more to me. This says that they are seeing greatness and this is how they learn. Um, and, and it's really the master, it's really at the master's feet. I mean, it really feels that way. And you know, this is the, this is the first Zelda game that I, I believe, uh, Miyamoto had no direct control over or no, I mean, he's always got some sort of oversight, but he, but this wasn't him sitting down and saying, all right, let's make this game. I don't know if it's uh, the first one, but uh, it may not be, he didn't, yeah. So I have some memory of somebody saying something about him, him being less involved, mm. but I think that is also a really good sign for Nintendo moving forward because it means we're not reliant on this one guy forever. And when he goes, we're done. There's not a Steve Jobs problem that could happen uh, potentially. No, you're right. I mean, one it, of the, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you know, the last Mario on Wii U was one of my favorite Marios ever. Um, was it 3D World? 3D World so. was great. Incredible. Yeah. Amazing. And and I gushed over the graphics, actually, for that game. I think, you know, the HD Nintendo uh, graphical design is is incredible. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that also wasn't really, you know, Miyamoto wasn't really involved in that either. So yeah, I think we're in good hands. And it does show the power of purposeful game design, all of these. Um, so it, it really, I think this is the result of a company's priorities. And mm -hmm. Nintendo's priorities have always been on, on making a, a competent, I mean, it's not like the other companies don't want to make good games, right? right. But <laughs> right. The, The design and the mechanics are chiseled to perfection with Nintendo, and that's what we're seeing here in a genre which really they haven't really explored before. I mean, yes, there were a little bit of it in, in previous games, but this one is just Nintendo's version of open worlds of, of open world, and this is kind of, well, we're teaching all of you how it's done. And you know, we talk about Blizzard a lot. I think there is uh, Blizzard has enormous qualities in many different ways and the way they did world of warcraft for example was simplifying a lot of the systems and making them compelling and fun and accessible mm -hmm. and it's a little bit different from what zelda is doing with open world here because they're not taking an open world and making it the easy open world or the accessible open world. It's just as complex and difficult as any other open world game you've seen. It's just done better and done more uh, intelligently and better designed. So yeah, I completely agree. It's a masterclass is what it feels like. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't have any other good comparisons for it in the, in the gaming world. Um, I, I, I guess I just want to, I mean, I guess the only other thing I would say is if you are used to a Zelda game where it's extremely forgiving and you don't die, I got some, <laughs> I got some bad news for you because yeah. this thing is, I die a lot, a lot more. Like I might die. I may have died in the first two hours more in this Zelda game than I did the entirety of Wind Waker, which is my second favorite <laughs> Zelda game of all time. But, But this, it's not, it's not so frustrating to die though. You just restart no, no, just before. Yeah. It's not so bad. Plus you say it's got a save anywhere mechanic. So Uh, PC players are like that. Um, you know, you're not talking about checkpoints so much, um, but it does have auto saves for checkpoints and things. So I don't know. There, there is a, there is a handcrafted feeling of this is special and I need to enjoy every possible second of this specialness feeling about this game and not, and not rush through it, not skip dialogue, not, um, you know, 
just treat things like, well, that's just what games do. So hurry up and get through that. Like there's something else happening here. And again, it's easy to get really hyperbolic about it, but I, I really feel this way. Yeah. It's really, really strong. Really, really good. Well, we'll see if we still feel that way in a, in a few weeks. Um, that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to follow. Um, just to round out the conversation about the switch, uh, It has, it has the first numbers we have are in the UK, which admittedly is not maybe the best uh, way to look at it at the console. You know, it's not the most popular console. Um, usually Nintendo is not the most popular manufacturer in the UK, but it sold 80,000 units in the UK first week or first weekend. Um, just to give you a comparison, PS4 did 250,000 first weekend, PS3 165, Xbox One 150,000, um, 3DS 113,000, Wii 105, 360, 70,000, and Wii U 40,000. So it's not an incredible number in the UK specifically for the Switch. I think the big question there becomes was it sold out everywhere and that's all the stock they had? So it could have sold more, but it didn't. Or is it? do they have uh, units in the store right now? In France, it's sold out everywhere. So no matter the number um, they, they are going to announce, that's the capacity and they couldn't have sold more. I mean, they could have sold more if they uh, made more. But um, yeah. yeah. We're having the, we have the same problem over here. Sold out everywhere, really hard to get now. Um, I did find a pro controller over the weekend, which I was uh, keen to get. Um, so I was happy to grab one of those. Um, but yeah, it's generally speaking, been pretty, pretty intense on trying to get one of these things here in the States. Um, and then we are, apparently we have a confirmation that it's not, well, not confirmation, but hints that it's not, uh, actually a fork of Android. So it's yep. not going to be, yeah, it's, it's based on FreeBSD and not Linux. And, uh, that means that it probably isn't Android. So there you go. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, surprising it, that one. Uh, yeah, that surprises me a little bit too. I, mm -hmm. I assume Android just because I don't know. It seems like It what everybody easier, does. Yeah. yeah. And finally, the, the funniest non-story that became a story about the Switch was uh, I think it was Jeff Gertzman on Giant Bomb who tasted the con the the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, did you see that he tasted yeah, the, the cartridge? Yeah, and before you knew it, there's like 500 million YouTube videos now of people tasting exactly. the Exactly. And, and the funny thing is, it wasn't the story initially because he tasted it and it was like foul. And he was like, oh, this is disgusting. And everyone was doing it, everyone confirming it was disgusting. And actually, Nintendo came out and said, uh, yeah, we do coat it with a bittering agent so that children don't swallow it. So yeah, it's a it, little tiny cart. So yeah, it's really it's super actually small. that they're doing that. So it's actually it's there is something to that, to that ridiculous uh, meme that started happening. So I just wanted to mention it. Yeah, um, it's awesome. I love the idea that they that they do that. A for it's actually a really good idea for little kids. You know, of course, to, yeah. These cartridges are tiny. They're like micro SD cards, basically. Mm -hmm. is how big they. So that was an awesome story. I loved it. Yeah. And, and so actually the foresight to actually code it and make sure it's not, you know, it's less of a choking hazard, blah, blah, blah. It's a, it, was, it was like, oh, Nintendo, uh, you do yeah. everything well in that honeymoon <laughs> period of ours. Um, but yeah, so, uh, oh, maybe one last thing. Would I recommend anyone buy the Switch? No, still no. If you don't already know you want it, 
don't get it. You know, it's that simple. If you're, if you're not convinced that you want it, skip it because it is like the wonders of Zelda, but it is still only one game and 300 bucks for one game. Uh, if you, if you have that kind of cash lying around, you already have one probably or you're, or you're pre-ordering one right now. Um, if you, it will still be here in about, you know, uh, nine months. And at that point, there will be many more games and you'll get a better deal with a pack-in game or, you know, maybe uh, Mario or something like that. So with all of the gushing, all of the positivity and all of the, um, you know, being less concerned than, than I was about uh, this console a few months ago, I still wouldn't recommend it to anyone who doesn't already know they want it. So. Yeah, if, I'll, I'll, I'll add to that and say... If you are not a Zel- if you're not interested in Zelda and this newer iteration, then absolutely this is not a console to buy this month. If you lo- if you love Zelda games, you should buy this game. You should buy this console. Yeah. If you love uh, Mario Kart, then wait till next month because that's when that comes out. If you don't care about either of those, Patrick's idea is a good one. Give it some time because it's <laughs> at the end of the day, it's hardware without a, a library. If you don't care about those things I just mentioned, um, if you're an Indies fan or Nindies, you're going to find pos- possibly something to love here and maybe give that a couple of months to see how it starts shaking out. Yeah. But, but, I, but, but generally speaking, I think you're right. Um, mm-hmm. But if you love Zelda, you've already got this and you're already. Yeah, playing. exactly. I think anyone who, who likes Zelda and who hasn't gotten insanely like excited reading the reviews from last week is some kind of alien that I don't understand. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're into Zelda and you don't have a Wii U to get only that game and, you know, to not spend uh, the cash on the console itself. I I don't know who you are because if you love yeah, Zelda, you have to play this. I feel like I can't help him. I feel like you're yeah. you're like lost cause, and I I feel sad for you. But but on the other hand, I, I applaud well, if Nintendo. you can afford it, of course. Right, 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 right. But I, if you can, if if you have a Wii U, I I think I'm gonna. This is what I'll say about that. If you already have a Wii U, then get Zelda on that for now. Hmm. Now, see, that's a hard call because I still think mean, it's going to run a little better on this hardware. If you have a Wii U, you're a convert. You're a Nintendo fan, and you might have been bitten by the Wii U, but you know that you're going to want the games that they're going to put out on the Wii U, on the Switch. So you're going to get it anyway. So I would say sell your Wii U now that it's still worth, I don't know, two or three bucks. And, um,. I mean, one day people are going to look at that hardware and go, oh, that thing was cool. Remember that? That was a hot minute, but it's interesting, and it'll be a nice no, historical. No, 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 no one is going to think it was cool. No one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's move on from Nintendo, uh, which we love dearly, and uh, talk about Horizon Zero Dawn, which you've been playing. I haven't. Um, so it's also an open world game, and uh, the reviews were also saying that it was really compelling, and it did a lot of things right. It was never busy worky. Um, how's your time been with that uh, open world weird dino robots been? So it took the greatest Zelda game ever to pull me away from Horizon Zero Dawn. Really? Uh, which should tell you something, yeah, about I guess Zelda and this other game. But it's really, really good. Um, I, it, I don't even know how to start with this. It, 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 its only problem is one that you kind of hope you'd have if you're uh, making a video game. The the graphical uh, and artistic quality of this game, even on a non-pro PS4, 
um, is breathtaking. Just beautiful hyper realism. Um, it's still stylized, but you always get the sense that you're in a real space and it just feels like real stuff and real material and real things. And, and so what throws you off a little bit is the uncanny Valley is therefore amplified like a hundred times over when a face is, is goofy or they're mouthing wrong or their expressions don't match what the emotion should be. And if it falters anywhere, it's there. And again, I think it's only made worse by the fact that it is such a gorgeous game that you just expect that part of it to be just as uh, exquisite and it's not and it's still good by any other game standards it's just the game around it is so unbelievably good looking that the that you get uncanny valley pretty bad um that being said i think the story is really really good i think it goes in places i didn't expect uh it's also a game where i didn't expect nearly this much story and i'm really glad that it's in there it's one of the most original settings i've ever seen it's um, in some far-flung future where machines have adapted to nature and become creatures of their own and robot raptors and, and horse-like creatures and huge dinosaur-like creatures and stuff just roam the land. And you're, you're basically a, you know, a, a, a primitive people now. And a lot of your, your clothes and your armor, they're made from the plastics and the, and the rubber and the wires and the things that come from these quote-unquote animals of, that are machines um, in the same way that you might be wearing a bear hide or, uh, you know, uh, the the talons of an eagle or something around your neck when we're looking at our own ancient history. So they they really lean into that. And it's very interesting to see how they play with that idea that technology were the old people, the the long gone generations, long buried. And now we're in this this future past. It's just super, super interesting, very original feeling. It doesn't feel like anybody else is doing a story like this or that or that this is derivative um so is the game- story compelling yeah i i want to hear about the gameplay as well because that's obviously a really important part but- the main reason that you want to play it story is really good though i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna put two big thumbs up for the story i think it's awesome the okay. protect is great i really like her i like everybody in it um all right that being said and i'm not even to the halfway point but i've put in a bunch of hours it's uh gameplay wise it's basically um a combination of Oh, it's so funny because now I have to consider Zelda in this because there's things about it that feel very much like Breath of the Wild. But it's um, it's it's like Far Cry in a lot of ways because you're, uh, you know, you need to go get some of these tree branches because you need more arrows or you need to um, uh, shake that tree and get the apples off of it because you need ways to regen your your health or whatever. Or I may be thinking of actually it's more herbs. It's it's Zelda where you get the apples anyway. Uh, so there's a lot of comparisons there uh, combat wise. This is where it really shines. So if you're if you're looking for a good Far Cry like Far, Far Cry three and forward like experience where gather the hides, improve your stuff, get a bigger pouch, you know those sorts of upgradey sort of things. This has got all of that. If you like that stuff, this is in there, gameplay wise. But the combat is where it's really at for me. Um, everything from sneaking around in tall grass and stealthily killing like a, uh, these things called Watchers. They're they're basically raptors. And uh, leaping out and stabbing it with a spear and killing it and dragging it into the weeds and then harvesting whatever nuts and bolts I want off of it is extremely satisfying. Um, You have this thing on your ear without giving away too much that you call your focus. It's an ancient technology, but also a really cool technology to let you sort of scan these creatures and see where their weak points are before you decide to fight them. 
you can take stealthy approaches and you can spec your character that way, or you can take a more upfront warlike approach, or you can be a little more trap approach. Uh, many different kinds of weapons, lots of great ways to take down these creatures, lots of thinking about that as you enter a, a space like, all right, I'll put a trap here and then I'll go stab this guy and then I'm going to have this one chase me, but then he's going to hit the electrical trap and that'll stun him and then I'll, I'll, I'll convert one of these horses to work for me. So now I'm on a mount. Like there's a lot of really intricate, cool stuff and the creatures themselves are so badass and scary as hell. That you're just constantly like, oh my gosh, this thing is just, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you got to go hide and try to stealth <laughs> out of there. And a lot of really fun moments like that. And um, it just feels really good. Lots of uh, ways to spec yourself. So if you're you're sliding, you if you open your bow while you're sliding, everything will slow down kind of bullet time. So you can really lock in a name on like the head of a raptor or whatever and fire it in slow motion. And just very, very cool stuff like that. Um, it feels great. It's awesome. And I'm I'm blown away how it looks. I just think PS, PS4 Pro is great and all if you have one, but I, I don't even see why you'd need it. Like it's just it runs at a great clip, looks great, feels great, plays great. That game is getting also pretty much universal repra- uh, praise and it's deserved. It's 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 Sony's big moment this year. I think I think this game is really something special. It's really good. That's quite a glowing uh, review. Do, so do you think it's get, getting it would get more uh airtime if zelda hadn't come out yeah i think andromeda is going to be the same kind of problem this i mean march is march is normally not this man march is normally like all right well we're between stuff and you know e3's coming so whatever and it's usually nothing but for whatever reason this march is nuts and gdc right in the middle of it it's just crazy so you end up with two of what i think are the best games of the year so far in within a week of each other or something. And um, most people uh, don't have a switch. Most people probably are, you know, on Xbox one or PS4 more likely. So mm-hmm. there's a game for them. Like what you're saying is maybe if you can't get a switch or don't care, that's yeah. the one you want to take a look at. Well, there's definitely one for you. If you're a PS4 owner, I don't know what Xbox people are doing this month. I feel like they're getting shafted. I guess they'll, well, they'll get yeah. Andromeda along with PS4 owners at the end of the month. But, but, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's it's really an embarrassment of riches and when that when andromeda hits and if it's as good as it seems like it's going to be this is the weirdest march of all time in fact i'd probably call it the best march in gaming i I can't think of a better march marches are usually stupid (laughs) and i've been i mean it's just nothing but good coming out this month so yeah that game if you're a ps4 owner get that game it's an exclusive there you're never going to see it anywhere else it's a sony production Um, if you're worried that the developers, the Amsterdam based developers, their previous games were kill zone and you were left a little, ha- uh, you know, hanging dry with kill zone like me, kill zone was cool, but it was never, you know, it never reached its potential. You're in for a very nice surprise here. These guys have worked six years on this thing and it's a pretty special game. I do worry it will get that overshadowed. It's, it's weird. It'll get overshadowed a little bit by all the Zelda talk. But because of the, the install base of the PS4, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's likely to well overshadow Zelda in the end. So it's kind of a weird dichotomy there. But mm. anyway, well, um, yeah, Horizon is uh, definitely a game that you should uh, look at, and I'm going to put it in that pile of awesome <laughs> games I want to play when the never-ending season of awesome games coming out ends. Um, yeah. So never. Because <laughs> never. I hope never. I mean, we really are. I mean, what a great time to 
Yeah. Man, couldn't be a better time. Um, all right. You mentioned a little bit of uh, Mass Effect and that we had a, yet another uh, promo video where they finally started talking about exploration and what it means to uh, be, you know, an explorer, which is what we are in that uh, in that game. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm still, you know, not 100% convinced about that game. I just wanted to mention that it looks it looks like a great mass effect game but when we're going to andromeda you expect entirely new things everywhere right it's it's a different galaxy it's not um it, it's not our milky way and the fact that we get there and there are like krogans and humans and asaris and whatever it's like uh, all right i mean so it's just you know You know how in those, and I'm going to get yelled at for this, but you know how in uh, Star Trek you have, like, different races are just, like, humans with, like, different headdresses and, like, antennas on their on their forehead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a little bit what it feels like. And I'm not saying I would like, like, insectoid races and weird aliens. That's not, you know, I, I, from everything I've seen... Uh, on the promos on that game, the promise of going to Andromeda is to explore the unknown. And Mm -hmm. everything I've seen so far is known. So it's like, well, okay, so it's a Mass Effect game, which is great. I'm happy about that. But it's not quite what I I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's... I I don't think you're crazy to feel that way. I feel like like, uh, Mass Effect has a tendency to play it safe um, and do the things that make the series great. That being said, uh, if it feels safe in the way that two played, I loved two. Two is so good. Oh my mm. gosh. Two is good. One of the best games ever made. And I'd be all right with that. Sure. Like yeah, they, no, I think it's good. Good. I'd be okay with it. But, mm. but uh, on the, at the same time, I do like them. I want them to take more risks. I want that world to feel bigger and more expansive, especially right now. When we're playing these open world games that are just like, whoa, look at all we're doing. Look how huge this all is. Well, there, I, there are a number of planets that you can explore and that are actually like full planets that you can, ex- well, not maybe not full, but like you can actually take your Mako, however it's named now, and mm-hmm. uh, and go explore the planet, roam around, and there are things to discover, things to fix, and stuff to do. So maybe you know, I'm not I'm not saying oh this is going to be crap. Maybe they managed to convey that sense of wonder and exploration somehow, even though they they do have krogans running around everywhere. But uh, right, and I like me some krogans. Oh sure, Remember? who doesn't yeah, like krogans? Yeah, everyone loves a good krogan. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm with you on like, you know, let's, let's be, let's have some fun, different things. Let's do, let's yeah. see that world in ways that you haven't already shown us. Mm. Maybe and, there, and, maybe there's, maybe they're just showing the things that we know so that they're, they're a surprise once we get there. So, and there's no like, uh, that, that we don't have any early reviews or anything yet, right? Like we're still waiting for, uh, we have previews. People are usually relatively positive on the game. They say it works. Um, and basically the, there is no more, uh, active, what's the name, you know, the, like when you pause the game and, uh, it's always going, you can't pause it anymore. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I did not know they were going to do that. Mm -hmm. So that, so I, I, uh, you know, what's a world like without Shepard in it? That's still a big question for me. Um, maybe Shepard will be in it. (laughs) 
I, I don't know. No, but I, I really hope they don't do that. I mean, they, no they left for Andromeda between two and three. Mm. And like, the, so That's this true. is, I mean, no, they, they can't bring Shepard back. Maybe they're going to talk about him, but. So I, I mean, they could, but they, maybe they shouldn't is what you're saying. Maybe right? they took a clone of Shepard. Mm. Like a, a little DNA clone baby that's going to grow up and be Kid Shepherd. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm in. I'm and you, in know, you know, when you're traveling that fast, uh, the, the, the time dilation thing gets wonky, so you don't know if your um, people grow up faster somewhere else. That's the <laughs> other way around. Anyway, um, Middle Earth, Shadow of yeah. War was announced. Uh, it's going to be released this August. It's coming really soon, and I'm super happy about that. We're not going to have to wait for it forever. Um, so this is the sequel to uh, Shadow of Mordor, which I think was my game of the year 2014. Um, it was amazing, an amazing game. If you don't remember, it's like in the world of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, it has nothing to do with the books. I mean, it, none of the characters are in there except for Gollum, of course. And uh, they... It's... It had the Batman um, combat system, which I've always loved and still love. And it had the awesome Nemesis system, which was all the rage at that point and that everyone thought was kind of going to be integrated somehow, which crafted enemies for you to care about and to uh, pursue and like to, to have an incentive to hunt down um, with uh, weak points and strong points that you could know more about by interrogating some of the orcs. And it was a super well done, super good game. Um, and we've all been, well, me especially, waiting for the sequel to be announced. We knew it was coming. The, the, the game did pretty well, not so incredibly well, but pretty well. And the end of the game was like, oh, my God, I have to know what happens. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's going to be coming. There is gameplay sequence being shown in a couple of days, March 8th. So we're going to know even more um, very soon. But, I mean, unless they kind of they do something completely unexpected and dumb with it, which is always possible, this is a, you know, day one purchase for me blind. I'm going to get it immediately. They, they, not, no, I mean, that game was great. There's no question I'll get that game. I mean, I, I played it again recently on the PC because they had a big sale, and the PC version of that is really, really good. Um, but they, yeah, that game, I'm, but the biggest kind of curiosity for me is how does the Nemesis system evolve? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what will be different this time? And, and, and you're going to build your own army with something. Oh my lord, that sounds crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, well, whatever they do, I I want that. I, I was really hoping more people would copy that system. Like that was one of those moments where I was like, developers yeah, exactly. are going to this, and they didn't so much. Like I don't know what happened there. Not like at I, all. maybe it's hard. You know, maybe that stuff's not easy. I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah. high hopes, high yeah. hopes, very high. Um, another uh, couple of tidbits. Uh, Twitch has announced that they're going to be start. Uh, they're going to be selling games now, and there you see the Amazon connection uh, mm -hmm. working. Um, basically, when a, a streamer is going to be playing a game, you can you have a little button under it. If you press it, you can go play the uh, buy the game, and then of course you have to launch it via your Twitch launcher. So it's not going to be available on Steam like it's a, again yet another separate library, but. Uh, the streamers are going to be getting a cut of the sale and um, 
it's it's five percent, and the game uh, creator gets seventy percent, and of course Amazon themselves get twenty five percent. So that's an interesting uh, way of monetizing their acquisition of Twitch, and it's really clever, I think. And it's I don't think it's going to work out for you know there's not going to be every type of game that partners with uh, with Twitch on this. But for some games, for some creators, for some indies, uh, it could be really interesting. And it's going to mean that they're going to court the... I don't think the big streamers, because the big streamers are going to play whatever they want anyway, but the mid-range streamers that have a few, you know, a few hundred people watching them, maybe even a few dozen people watching them all the time. Um, and that's going to be an interesting way to strengthen the position of the entire ecosystem because everyone benefits from all of this. And we'll see if somewhere down the line, I don't know that is going to have a huge effect now, but down the line, it could create a viable alternative to Steam uh, more than the other stores, which are one uh, developer store or, or one publisher's store. So they're not going to have everyone's games. Uh, in this case, they might have games from many different publishers. And it could become, we were talking about indies earlier, it couldn't become the, well, the Steam for indies is kind of a dumb way of putting it because there's already the Steam for Indies, and that's Steam. So, <laughs> but you know, it could uh, carve a niche for itself there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's also interesting just to watch Twitch continue to figure out, and Amazon by extension, figure out how to monetize that service and turning into something that's more more valuable than what it is right now. And um, this is definitely a step in that direction. I'm, I'm really curious about what kind of numbers that'll generate, like. You know, if you hear a game is on Steam or it's on Twitch, is the advantage that I can go over to Twitch and watch my favorite streamer play a half an hour of it and then go, well, I'm sold and just buy it right here and have that be as easy a transaction as it would be for me to just alt tab to to Steam and buy it. Mm. And I think there's a big question about that. But outside of all of that, um, Twitch is definitely in the mood. <laughs> they want to go bigger, harder, stronger and that seems like the right thing to do. So I think it's great. Um, Microsoft is, oh, by the way, also eyeing um, independence, I would say, even more than indies, like one person in their in their uh, bedroom um, mm -hmm. with the Xbox Live Creators program, which enables anyone for very cheap to use their um, Xbox One, their regular Xbox One as a dev kit. They had said they were going to do this a while ago. Now it's finally um, it's finally coming. So that could... It, there are some restrictions on what they can use, but it's probably going to mean that a lot of games are going to be coming to uh, the Xbox, hopefully at some point in the near future. Um, it's going to be a more friendly, super small-scale indie uh, developer uh, platform which could be interesting. Yeah, I like that. It's funny, you're watching, they're all kind of doing this, right? Like, they're all sort of... Catering to indies? To, yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I feel like that's awesome. I, I don't, some people are like, oh, this is a selling out moment. And I'm, nope, I think this is how I get more games moment. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's really beneficial to everyone in this. I mean, the one drawback is that you might get a lot of software and you drown into uh, not easily discoverable things. Um, mm -hmm. But if you put them in their own little corner, which I believe is what Microsoft is doing, um, then you just get more 
things on your platform. Um, yep. It's the you know App Store <laughs> revolution, which even Steam is going to right now. Right, we we talked about it a while back. Anyone's going to be able to put their game on Steam if they pay a, a certain amount of money. So, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's it's win win for everyone. And yep. I- even more important, uh, Microsoft is announcing the Game Pass, the Xbox. Xbox Game Pass, which is basically a 10 bucks a month service that allows you to download and play any of about 100 games that are available. It's going to start on Xbox One, of course. Um, it will be available on PC as well at some point. Um, it's it's kind of Netflix for games. It's comparable to what um, Sony is doing with their PlayStation Now service, except in that case, you stream the games. With the Xbox Game Pass, you actually download the, f- the full thing and you don't have issues of like latency and, and bandwidth and all of this. Um, it seems like an interesting, a better approach, uh, to be sure. And, or I don't know about, you know, the thing that makes it better in my mind is the price because PlayStation now is still relatively expensive. And of course the service costs more to run, but I think that might have a positive uh, influence on the, these kinds of services because it sets the price once again, just like Netflix, just one, like everyone else, it's 10 bucks, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Spotify, the base basic one, you can find cheaper things, but these kinds of things are 10 bucks. So, I just wonder if it includes Xbox Live at the same time. That mm. is one question that I don't have the answer to, but uh, I'll look into it. But uh, yeah, if the PlayStation Now service uh, comes down in price, given this offering, it would be, uh, again, a, a positive um, effect for everyone. Yeah, I agree. It it depends on the library, though. Uh, I've looked at it a little bit. There are a lot of things, but not everything you would want. Would you be interested in something like that on the Xbox One? And would you be interested in something like that on the PlayStation 4? Uh, Yeah, I would, totally. And I like the idea of... It's funny, because Nintendo's going to do something like this, but it's more... um, Well, it's it's weirdly deliberate, but part of their online offering, once it's completed, and they're not done with it yet, and at first it'll be free, and eventually you'll pay a normal fee. Yeah, but you just get one game with Nintendo. Here you can download any of of 100. That's true. That's true. The nice thing about the Nintendo one is that there are these Nintendo classics. The bad thing is you don't get to keep them after they're gone and it's very ephemeral. Well, that's true also of the Xbox offering, except you'll have a much broader choice potentially. But when you say 100 games, my my brain goes, oh, that's a lot of games. And then my brain goes, no, it's not. You have 800 on Steam. (laughs) It's not that many. You don't need 100 games. You, You need 10 or 15 good games. In yes. this case, there's, you know, yes, there's Halo 5, Payday 2, NBA 2K16, Soul Calibur 2. There are some good games. There aren't all of the games you would want. And maybe they're going to rotate some of them in and out. But um, And you can buy so, games with a discount afterwards as well. Anyway. Kind of some ancient games in that list that you just mentioned, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calibur. yeah, that's why. Like not, not a game anyone is uh, currently playing at the moment, but... Uh, yeah, I think it might be a an Xbox uh, uh, Xbox 360 backwards compatible game. Oh yeah, one of those deals. There are some Which of those is fine. Things. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to poo-poo anybody's favorite Soul Calibur game or anything. But no, but I, I think it's you know. I mean, if you're if you're not super rich, I think that makes your 
you're going to have hopefully some good games in there. I mean, on the uh, the PlayStation Now, it's the same thing. It's not all of the latest games, but there are some good games in there. So it might be mm-hmm. interesting for some people. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, very quickly, um, VR news. Sony sold 915,000 PlayStation VRs, which is, by most people's estimate, the largest amount of... You know, Basically, it's the same as everyone else put together, except maybe for the Gear VR, which is not really a full uh, device uh, in itself. Um, and Oculus is dropping the price of the Rift a little bit um, mm. by 100 bucks. I think... The um oh no sorry it, all together uh the wireless uh, the touch controller and the Rift is now six hundred bucks which is significantly lower than it was. Um, that's two that's two hundred bucks less than the Vive listing right now, so it's pretty strong. Yeah. Also, and, it makes me worry about Oculus and their future, but whatever. Well, Zenimax said they were going to hold sales to request you know uh, the holding of the sales of the uh, Oculus of the Rift. So yeah. that's kind of a weird thing. And we have a um, uh, an initiative uh, that was announced and discussed at GDC that wants to implement uh, standards finally for VR and that wants to do it really quickly. I think everyone is realizing that um, in order for VR to take off, you can't have that fragmented market. You need everyone to play together. So hopefully that will work out um, fairly well and fairly quickly. Um, and it will allow everyone to have a common standard ecosystem to develop on, and that will make uh, the you know the life of VR in general a little bit easier. Yeah, um, can hope. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, okay. Final thing. Did you see that uh, song that Ben Bro did, the game director for Hearthstone? <laughs> I did. That was amazing. If you that haven't makes- seen that. Uh, go check it out. Basically, sorry, you wanted to comment. No, I was just going to say, I, this is what I love about Blizzard. I just wanted to, to put this out there, that there is a there is a playfulness about them that is difficult to replicate, and I think that that video is awesome. So the, the Hearthstone community had been complaining about the lack of communication of the developer for a while now. Um, and, you know, you have these issues with every game company. I think I frequent, you know, for example, Bungie's uh, Destiny subreddit a lot, and a lot of people are complaining about the same thing. And it's a really hard thing to crack, a hard not to crack when you're a developer because you don't want to, you know, it's difficult to find the balance. And the Hearthstone community had been kind of unhappy about all of it for a while. And uh, Ben Brode became game director a few weeks ago. And clearly the team is responding to that, uh, to those concerns of, uh, you know, being too, too distant, too silent by going overboard and communicating a lot. And with the latest expansion, the uh, Journey to Ngoro, um, oh. on the trailer, there wasn't a, uh, a song. Uh, you know, unlike all of the previous trailers of um, the expansions and adventures for that game. And so someone on Reddit said, oh, we want a song. We sh- you should do a song, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Ben Brode, I think someone even mentioned, you know, Ben, Bro- ben Brode, you should do it. And jokingly, obviously. And he actually went out and wrote a rap song. And 
sung it and posted it as a video on the internet describing like what's in the expansion and addressing some of the concerns and it's like two or two and a half minutes long it's already super fun within itself but then of course the community exploded because you like this is the guy that is in charge of the game it's mm -hmm. a big deal and he's doing this and he had like the rap song like it's him in his uh, apartment and it looks like it's almost cringe worthy but at the same time it's sweet and mm -hmm. so people took that that track and remixed it into a million different versions that had been posted uh that have been posted for a week on the subreddit and everyone wrote about it so it's not just to talk about uh yet another blizzard game i really want to mention this because it seems to me that this is an incredible example of how quickly your community can be turned if you're taking the right risks because this was kind of risky it was dumb but he's being genuine he's being fun and he's being playful with the community of course it doesn't fix every problem but i think it it's it puts a lot of the community on your side in a way that would have been very difficult to to achieve if you had gone through every single standard marketing slash pr uh you know strategy that you usually know So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The, those guys are just, I don't know. I feel like they have a lot more freedom to do these things now. They didn't used to have this kind of freedom to, oh yeah, you know, like, let, I mean, the, yeah. let their freak flag fly. I mean, you, you worked there and we're in PR and you probably saw things at a very different time. And <laughs> well, the developers could always do whatever they wanted basically. And sometimes it caused problems for us in PR. Um, right. but, but, um, <laughs> they, here it seems like they've embraced that uh aspect of community that has been missing since greg street left the uh the wow team um and that has been basically uh initiated by uh jeff kaplan with the overwatch uh communication and all of these are very very uh pr'd and marketinged up but again this is not just to talk about blizzard i i As I said, you know, I guarantee you that every game designer is looking at um, Breath of the Wild right now. I guarantee you that every uh, PR and marketing, or at least PR uh, and community um, manager is looking at the way Blizzard is managing its communication now because it's directly from the developer to the community in a way that is, you know, managed, but also genuine. And mm -hmm. it's working. It's turning communities around. It's making them more comfortable. And as I said, it's not fixing everything, but I'm a, a lot of, this is the way the whole industry is moving. I, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, Blizzard are the only ones doing this. Certainly it's not the case, um, but they're doing it in a very successful and genuine manner. And I think a lot of people are looking at this, especially at Jeff um, on the Overwatch team. Hi, I'm Jeff. Uh, yeah. One of the guys and on the Overwatch team. Guy, and this is a guy who's a very reserved, quiet guy. And 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 look at the difference it's making just for, you know, for him even, which is this very low-key yeah. approach. In fact, if anything, it endears him to everybody. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I, I love it. I love it. And, and, it, and Blizzard, and in this case, Blizzard may be learning from the, the rest of the industry more than the other way around. Because I think some of that stuff has was starting to happen before they more embraced it. But. Um, I feel like governments could learn something from this. <laughs> It's kind of, 
you know, communication and transparency really works. And uh, it's not just for the hearts and minds, but just for general knowledge. And if you're a fan of something or are really into something, it'd be good to know more of it and know the real story all the time. So, yeah, apply this kind of thinking to government, people. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to having the next uh, press address by Sean Spicer be delivered in a rap about uh, the situation in the Middle East. It'll be, be perfect. Did you, did you hear how he was an Easter bunny in the Bush administration? For the, I uh, didn't. For the, for the Bush uh, Easter egg hunt that they do every year, like the tradition with all the kids, uh, he was the Easter bunny for that. So there's that. Well, there you go. You could do yeah. that uh, in the press pool and that would go, uh, you know, really well, I'm certain. So, yeah, I'm sure. no problem at all. Excellent suggestions from Scott Johnson. Um, hey people if you want more Scott Johnson uh, where would they go that was a question uh, to Scott here's where they'll go they'll go to frogpants.com that's where all the shows and stuff are uh, you can see great other things like the other show that Patrick and I do together called The Instance which I look very much forward to having Patrick back on he's been uh, busy traveling but we're going to make that happen uh, so there's that if you like World of Warcraft and Blizzard games in general that's a great place to go And uh, lots of shows for everybody at frogpants.com. So go check that out and follow me on Twitter. I'm always at Scott Johnson, one word. Thank you, Scott. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. And if you have a couple of spare minutes, maybe you could go to iTunes or some other podcast catalog that you like and leave us a review. Um, leave us a few stars or many if you like the show and tell us what you think about it. That would be absolutely awesome and we thank you for it in advance. And if you want to uh, comment on this uh, episode, you can go to frenchspin.com, click on the article for the episode and leave us a constructive and thought out comment about everything we said. If you agree, if you disagree, and uh, if you want to just let us know your thoughts, you can do that as we said on Twitter as well. I'm not Patrick. He's Scott Johnson, and we will be back with another episode of Pixels in about a couple of weeks. Thanks for being with us, and talk to you then. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. 
It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com.